Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Uh, Josh Carter's going to join us in studio. We're going to cover a whole range of different topics. And then we'll do some footy tinder after that because it is a Tuesday and there's still plenty of footy kicking around to do that as we gear up to the T20 World Cup tonight. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Wonderful to have you on board at any stage that you wish to contribute in a meaningful way. Uh, you can do so. Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 Your move, your Harcourt's for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's for all things sport. Give me a call. Or you can text in on the 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Um, Footy Tinder after 7.30. Looking forward to getting swiping and looking forward to doing that uh, with, with actually somebody else in the studio. I'm going to introduce them in just a moment, but just a couple of things kicking around. Uh, for those listening uh, in the eastern states of Australia, Australia's must-win clash against Sri Lanka happening at Optus Stadium in Perth tonight. 9.30 p.m. the coverage starts here. 7.30 p.m. if you're over in the west Check your local guides, depending on where you are around the country. But the big news is Adam Zampa has tested positive to COVID, and now it is a wait and see whether they will play him or not. They are allowed to play him. There's some uh, contingencies in and around that of how that rolls out, but they do have the choice to play him. But the word on the street is that they will not. And it'll either be Ashton Agar or Cameron Green, two WA locals that come in to the side for Adam Zampa. So that will be a fascinating wait and see ahead of a must-win clash for Australia if there are any hope of defending their T20 World Cup crown. Uh, other cricket going on at the moment, WBBL, Sydney Thunder women uh, playing the Brisbane Heat um, at Allen Border Field in Brisbane. Thunder won the toss, elected to bat their 2 for 78 um, into the 11th over. And I was just speaking before, um, text in at any time too, 0433981116, or you can call in 1300-736-736. Brent Costello was on SEN Breakfast earlier today speaking about that the last real hurdle appears to be coming from within Tasmania itself. The uh, Labor state government or the, or the opposition, the Labor opposition, um, are starting to really kick up about um, the state government kicking in around 350, a bit more million uh, to what's required to build the new stadium uh, based on um, the feasibility studies that have been done and, and the proposed plan 
over $700 million to be spent on a stadium. That's the final piece of the puzzle to get the AFL to tick it off. But um, big noise being made that uh, the Labor opposition are against that, despite that Federal Labor are for that. So I did make the point earlier that hopefully Tasmania won't be the the well, hopefully Tasmania won't cause their own downfall in getting the team that they so thoroughly deserved. And just off the text, Jim and Oak Park, $350 million can be spent in more important areas than a sporting stadium, buddy. It won't just be a store, a sporting stadium, Jim. It will be an entertainment precinct. It will have shops. It will bring concerts. It will bring art. It will bring a whole range of different things, festivals, um, events, you name it, will be run out of there, even medical Um the economic impact assessment into the project by Price Waterhouse Coopers, it forecasted that it would generate three hundred million into the economy, into the economy during the construction, and then eighty-five million each year once it's built. So it will pay for itself. The jobs that it will create, the opportunities that it will, it will create. That feasibility study: three hundred million into the economy during the instru- uh, construction, eighty-five million each year once it's built. I said we had a special guest in studio, hoping to do some regular catch-ups with. This man, he played 173 games at the highest level, 66 for the Western Bulldogs, 107 for the West Coast Eagles, um, a rising star nominee in 2008, Ross Glendening medalist in 2015, played uh, in West Coast, unfortunately losing 2015 grand final side. Um, you would remember him under his playing name of Josh Hill, but Josh Carter uh, is hopefully going to be doing some regular stuff with us, and uh, he's been good enough to come in, mate. Hello. Hey, Sammy. How are you, mate? I'm well. Um we're going to cover off on a whole range of, of different things. Um, but I thought that we might start with, given that trade week has just happened, yep. um, and now it is an event, even from when you were traded in back in 2011, mm-hmm. it is a much bigger spectacle and a much bigger time zone, time frame. It's massive. It is massive, and uh, I think we can thank the the way this generation is with the social media. I mean, they pump it up so much, don't they? And mm. uh, back in those days, we didn't have the uh, the likes of you know Instagram, social media, or Facebook, and all that. So it makes me feel even older. But no, thanks for bringing <laughs> it up, mate. Um, but it's 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 un uh, uncharacteristic, isn't it? The amount of teams that have had different players come in and players just le- leaving clubs, going to new clubs, and you think the word loyalty is kind of out the door, but it's it's good to see players getting those opportunities, you know, to try and uh, change the way that they've felt in clubs. If they're not happy, you can't try and, you know, reinvent your, your career in, in a different football club. It, and I think I was lucky enough to have that opportunity to go from Western Bulldogs to West Coast. And yeah. going back home, it was it was tough at first, but then to fit in and have the support of family and friends around me was, was very helpful. I think there was about 38 trades done, 35 players found new homes in the most recent trade period. So yep. you've been doing uh, media stuff, Yokai uh, Football Show, which is afl.com.au, um, NIRS, Calling Footy. Um, what, with, when you were traded, mm. what, what was that experience like? So how did you find out? Was it something you requested? Was it something that was imposed on you? What was your trade experience? How did it all unfold? Well, I think it all started the year beforehand. Is uh, 2010 was uh, I had a year left on my contract, and uh, I was at the Bulldogs and had a good chat with old mate Rodney Ede, and uh, he brought me into his office and said, "Mate, we're going to push you off a trade and see what we can do for you." And um, I was pretty lucky to have a few clubs interested. I had a good chat with uh, Hawthorne, Richmond. And uh, Essendon at the time, and um, it was good to to have that kind of op- options in a way for a player, you know, to feel that they're acquired in different uh, footy clubs. And I was pretty lucky; I had the chance to 
have that moment to go to Hawthorne, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. And I was sitting around still with the Bulldogs to have another season with them. And uh, we had a, uh, it wasn't the best year, but we had players like, you know, uh, Barry Hall and all them on their, on their last years of their careers. Mm. And, and it was good to see them finish off their careers on a high note. And, and uh, yeah, really happy to privileged to be able to play alongside those guys. And then uh, the, the opportunity was, was given to me to make my own decision to where I wanted to go the next season. And uh, yeah, had a good chat with John Worsold and he said, mate, why don't you just come home and, and be with the family? And uh, it's too hard to kind of miss, isn't it, when you get an opportunity to go back to home and, and play with your family and friends around and having that support around you. And as I said, it it really, uh, it's a test of character to to myself and, and also the footy club to going from an intimidating environment at uh, Western Bulldogs, being a young kid coming in and getting drafted from 17 to adapting to the the big smoke in uh, in Melbourne City to then going home and, and being around the family and having that support kind of put me at ease and helped me play uh, a lot more exciting football, which I've yeah been lucky enough to, as I said, play in, in a grand final as well. So when you're watching trade period now, do you does it replicate what you went through at all, or is it just so differently done now? Is it a more efficient? process from what you can see yeah i think a lot of clubs are a bit more efficient now they give players a bit more warning and uh and a bit more opportunity to to give them a bit of an option of what they want to do so i think it's a bit more that um respect between players coaches and also the footy department to to let players know that this is where their position's at do they wish to you know finish off their time at the club or or pursue options elsewhere and you can see players saying it themselves you know that they wish to to go to other clubs and and it's good that you have that respect from both teams. I mean, you know, it's good that players give their time and, and put their bodies on the line for that club. You you put the jumper on with pride, represent the, the team the best way you can. But then when you do get that chance to make a chance to go home, and we've, we've seen it from players that have made their careers being at a, at a footy club for t- two or three years to then get the opportunity to go home and play in their home state, they get that opportunity. And it's great for their, as I said, their, their mindset. Uh, I've just got to make a, an apology because I keep stuffing up the time zone <laughs> difference between... Yep. Um, Eastern Seaboard and the West. Um, the pre-game show will start at 6.30 in Western Australia. Thank you, Andrew. Not 7.30 because the game starts at 7 uh, WA time. I keep stuffing that up for some reason. Um, savings, mate. Yeah, I know. I, I, got, <laughs> I got them around the wrong way when, when it's three and when it's two. Mm. Um, so so when, you, when, when you got traded, so is there a process that it, like once you agree, then how does it unfold in that way? Do you tell the players that you're going or do you just wait to see if they get a, a trade? How how does that work? Do you... Well, in, in my experience, we didn't really have a chance to to let the players know because it was the off season. Yeah. So at that time, it was uh, we had a bit of a bit going on, actually. It was Rodney Eads last year with the Dogs and uh, we had Brendan McCartney come in and, and take over the role as a head coach and had a good chat to him and he said, you know, he, he offered me another year at the club to, to stick around, but my mind was already made up to go home. And, yep. and uh, yeah, I was pretty set on, on leaving the club to go and uh, pursue my opportunity with, uh, with West Coast. And it's, it's a time where players can feel a bit uncomfortable knowing that you've been around a club. Like I had five years with the Bulldogs, you know, so much respect for the place and, you know, made a lot of great mates there and, and uh, will continue to stay close to the Bulldogs as much as possible. But um, it's a time where players have those emotional uh, roller coasters, whether they, you know, feel like it's a time to celebrate or whether it's time to mourn your, your time at the club. And uh, it can be sad, but also exciting as well. So what's, what's to come when you get that opportunity to go to a different football club? Um, 
What about on the flip side of that? Because we're just about to go into delisted free agency. Yeah. So, so in the space of where you got there um, in 2012 and finished up in 2017, so you go from being, Mm -hmm. hey, come, come and play with us. We'd love to have you. Couldn't they? And then you, and then on the (laughs) complete opposite side of that is, yeah, we don't want you anymore. What's, what is that experience? Mm. Oh, look, it's like. It's kind of gut-wrenching, but that's the way of the business, you know. It's pretty cutthroat, and that's, you've got to give your opportunity what you're given, and that's what football is all about in the AFL, and in any sport, really. You, you get that opportunity to make your mark and, and play to the best of your abilities, and there are players I've seen in and out of the team. My, my time throughout the, the AFL system, I've seen so many players come into the, to the football department and, and not even get an opportunity to play in the AFL. So mm. for me to have the opportunity to play one or two games, I was grateful and privileged to be able to give that opportunity. And... Uh, uh, I look back on my career and yeah, there are a few regrets and, and wishing times I could have done a few things differently, but uh, I'm I'm grateful to be given the opportunity I was given. We'll do, we, we might save regrets for another day, but <laughs> um, in, at that time, do you feel like the way that a delisting is handled um, and you can, and, and feel free to answer this as just a player, mm-hmm. an indigenous player, how it, do you feel like the mechanisms are in place to make that as soft a landing as possible then? It might be different now, but did you feel like you were provided with every level of support that you could have got at the time and that you needed to, to deal with that? Oh, look, as I, as I said, I was a bit more on the uh, on the edge of my mindset whether I'd stay and go, and <clears throat> I was given... I was given sort of a, a brief idea of what was going to happen with my future at, the, at West Coast. Um, so to give you a background, it was a, a situation between Mark Lacroix and myself, whether if Lacroix resigns, I'm out the door. And uh, I had to wait a few weeks to find out what was going to happen. Wow. And uh, yeah, we had obviously the players like Willie Rioli, Liam Ryan coming through the yeah. the system. And um, yeah, Liam Ryan was obviously excitement machine. So he was going to get the, the cement and small forwards position. And uh, as I said, it was between myself and Mark Lacroix and, Obviously, Laker resigned, and that was me out the door. And by that time, there were no opportunities to go to any other club or pursue what was going to happen with my future. So, as I said, I'm, I'm grateful to play as many games as I was given, but things maybe could have been handled a bit differently. And but to to the to West Coast, uh, you know, I'm privileged and very grateful to be playing alongside yeah. the players I was given the opportunity to play with. And would Mark Lacroix have any idea? that it, it, him signing meant that you wish getting shown Look, the that'd door. Be, that'd be a great chat. I'd love to have it to find out whether he knew or not. And, uh, Maybe he, he might actually see things different as well, but yeah. look, he, he went on. Cause of and, course he has to sign. Like he yeah, can't. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. look, he, he went on and he won a grand final. You yeah. Know? So the, the next year after it's, it's whether I've got the curse or not to, to leave a football club and then they win the premiership. So I left West coast, uh, the Bulldogs in 11, they won the premiership in 16 and, Leave West Coast and they leave the, win the grand I'm, I'm final sure the year after. I'm sure it's not because so. of you. I'm sure it's not because of you. Yeah. Um, Josh Carter's with us. Uh, you'd remember him under his playing name, Josh Hill. Um, we're going to chat about uh, a whole range of different things, but I want to get your take on on what we're seeing at the moment, the situation with Netball Australia. Yep. Uh, I know you've been following that story, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it on the other side of this on the Sporting Capital. Uh, Josh Carter, our special guest. Um, talking all things sport, bit of footy, his experience uh, traded from the Western Bulldogs to the West Coast Eagles, what it was, the, the experience around being delisted. Um, I know you would have been following interesting, uh, I know you would have been following with great interest the story that's unfolding with Netball Australia, the sponsorship that was pulled by um, Gina Reinhart's company, Hancock Prospecting. 
Um, you're a, a WA man. You're a Noongar man. And um, Donnell Wallam, who is uh, of the Noongar Nation as well, about to become the third Indigenous player um, to represent Australia in netball. And the what's happened in and around that with that sponsorship being pulled, what have you made of that situation? Oh, look, there's there's two sides to your story, isn't there? And to to read into a lot of it, I mean, it's it's quite upsetting, but you kind of feel proud in a way that she's spoken mm. up, but it's also the fact of, you know, it's, it's a business, you know, she's, Gina's put all of her, um, efforts to, to sponsor the club, to, to sponsor netball itself, to drive, you know, to make it happen and, and obviously investing in their future as well. And, mm. uh, there's two sides to it. As I said, she's supporting the, the business side of it and, and representing the sport and, and really wanting to see things grow from it. But then also there's the respect of, you know, what's, what's happened in the past is definitely in the past, but we've had a lot of things happen in the past, which still uh, are un, mm. untold and un, un, uh, unresolved in a way. So what, what her father's done is nothing on her character that she's not her father and whatever's happened in the past clearly should stay in the past, but it's also the, the, uh, the business side of things is the fact there's a sponsorship there to mm. help drive the netball department and make it go further in the future. And, um, like I fully support Donnell and, and everything that's going on and the way the club, the, the players have got behind her and supported her, which mm. is, which is amazing to see that the game has grown in such a, a huge way. You know, you see players yeah. doing it, taking knees in, in the past, you know, AFL players are, are taking knees in the past because of the black pride and all that. And, it, and it's great to see that all different codes now are really, uh, adjusting to the way the game and, and also things are going on because it's, it's bigger than the sport now, you know, it's, it's a global um, issue that we're all trying to help resolve in all different kind of uh, cultures to to support each other, and it's good to see that all different nationalities are supporting each other. Because they made a commitment in 2020 after getting a few things wrong, Netball Australia, with the way in which they engaged and 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 supported their Indigenous players, that they made a declaration that they were now going to listen and learn, and they encouraged uh, the wanted the players to speak up and yep. talk to us about how you're feeling, talk to us about your experience. So we have this situation where a player does mm. and says, yep, yeah, I'm all for the sponsorship, but I have some concerns about the comments that her father made in the past because they were abhorrent. Mm. Um, I don't know what her stance is, so I'm a bit uncomfortable. The player saying, and she's, and, and what she had said was, and there's a lot of misreporting around this. Um, Emma Greenwood's doing a great job in the Herald Sun. And what she said was, can I just debut and play my three tests and, and then we can revisit this? Mm. I'm not comfortable wearing the logo just yet. The players supported that. And even last Tuesday, there were conversations going on with Netball Australia, um, Hancock and Donnell, who got the chance to talk about how she felt. And coming away from that, she was supported by um, one of uh, well, one of the other two um, only Indigenous players to represent um, Australia in um, netball, uh, Sharon Finn and White who came away from that and told the ABC that actually it sounded like Hancock were really open to continuing talking. And then she even said, Hey, this is getting a lot of heat. I'll, I'll put the logo on. Even though Hancock had said in their statement, we were never forcing anyone to wear the logo. And then on the Saturday after she'd said, I'll wear it. They pulled the funding. Yeah. I, I don't like the fact that she's, it's being pointed that she has cost when it's clearly netball Australia who have been, Yep. just have handled this woefully. Mm. You can't tell players to speak up and listen and then, and then not listen when they do. Yep. And for Hancock, I thought it was petty to take the sponsorship away mm. when this was just a conversation that was happening. 
Yeah, look, it could have been resolved a lot easier, couldn't it? Just behind, you know, a good yeah. little chat to go and talk somewhere private rather than trying to get this whole thing yeah. blown up. And it definitely could have been something resolved a lot easier if uh, if the netball department really, if they put all those uh, rules in place that they're going to listen mm. and, and learn from, from these players. Because it, it's... It's a way that everyone's growing, isn't it? That if they give players that right to speak up, you've got to support them. 100%. Yeah. And we're seeing it from our code in the AFL that players are, are talking about depression in their mental state. They've got to support them. I, I've got a couple more questions about, about this situation because it is a fascinating one. And we'll do that a little bit more uh, on the other side of this Sporting Capital. Uh, wonderful to have your company on the Sporting Capital. Sam Hargraves joined by Josh Carter, former Western Bulldog, former West Coast Eagle. Um, we've been chatting about the situation that Netball Australia finds uh, itself in. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, Donnell Wallam, who um, is the Noongar woman who is about to be the third player, to, third Indigenous player ever to represent Australia um, at the highest level of netball. Um, Josh himself, a proud Noongar man and, and a WA uh, product. So we're tapping into that um, and getting just your take on it, Josh, and you, you've spoken about how you can see both sides of this and, and when, you know, what sponsorship means and, and what, how important it is and what it would mean for netball, given that they're four point whatever million dollars in debt, they've lost over 7 million over the last couple of years. The, the idea that doesn't sit comfortably with me is that this, it's all falling in Donnell's lap where had been told since 2020 speak, we want to hear if you've got concerns, if you, you want to know about your experience. They made it, they signed a declaration mm. netball to say, we want to listen more to our um, in, indigenous participants. And and the first real chance to do that, it's all fallen in a heap, even though Hancock at once, but they were engaged in conversation. It was all sort of looked like it was going to be okay. And then even when Donnell said, look, this is all blowing up far more than I thought that it would and I'm going to, let's wear the logo. We'll deal with it down the track. It's okay. I'm just trying to air some, it wasn't saying we don't want the sponsorship. They welcome the sponsorship. They understood what the sponsorship meant, how important it was. There was just a couple of concerns that they had. So an open dialogue that got shut down and we're not really sure how, but I don't like the blame is with her when clearly it's been handled very poorly by Netball Australia. Yep. And it does seem a little petty from Hancock because they not only removed the sponsorship from Netball Australia, they removed it from WA Netball. Um, and the WA Super Netball side, who had nothing to do with this. Yep. So my question is to you, and given that Hancock do spend hundreds of millions of dollars on um, investing into Aboriginal communities, um, education programs, and do a lot of work in the space, it surprises me then mm. that they would walk away and then have a crack at the athletes on the way out who on one hand they're spending millions of dollars on in other areas, but then when someone says, I've got some concerns and yet have a crack at them on the way out the door to say virtue signaling and, and all that kind of stuff and not be willing to sit more and talk and learn more. So it just doesn't sit, it just doesn't sort of marry up to me that on the one hand you're promoting in your press release, look at all the great work we're doing yet. Why is it such a bad thing to sit down with someone and just hear them out? Well, to me, I think it's just the lack of education, isn't it? That the fact that, you know, they, they give these players the right to speak up and speak their mind, which is, which is great. And you've got to support that. But the fact that, uh, yeah, Hancock kind of just put the blame on the players is, is kind of petty and um, she really could have handled it a bit better and maybe even just take a take a, a minute to go and talk to Donnell Wallam and just talk to you know yeah. face-to-face, one-on-one, and, and just resolve it a lot more easier. And as you said, yeah. she, she supports and, 
and really respects the Aboriginal culture. So why all of a sudden, because one young, young Aboriginal lady has mm. spoken up about how uncomfortable she is, then maybe put a put an effort into to speak to her one on one and resolve the issue, and then put everything behind them. Because as I said yeah. before, you know, there's the stereotype of people are now going to be labelling both of those people to to say you know, this is going to be a huge effect on the netball department and, and a huge effect on her playing career oh, as well. It, it just felt like it was an opportunity to show incredible leadership. Um, and I've read some of the um, tributes to Gina from some of the education programs that rely on her funding yep. and speak glowingly about her engagement in it and um, her contribution to it, not just with money, but time and all these kind of things. Um, and, and they do send around... And the concerns from Donnell and I don't put words into her mouth, but the reporting is that concerns were just what Gina's father had to say back in the early eighties was abhorrent, like mm. awful, yep. you know, almost championing the eradication of indigenous people. And you, do, and you said it before, that's her father. It doesn't necessarily mean it's her. Yep. She's never backed or distanced. It's just been left mm. unanswered. And do you, do you feel like just even a, a clarification from her is needed or was it just maybe more important for her to be able to go, Hey, that's okay. We, we all, don't, we all have different views on things. We're here to you know, help netball. We help a lot of indigenous people. I'll sit down with her and this will be sorted. Well, you hit the nail on the head, didn't you? It's just that all she had to do was make a statement to say, okay, my, uh, my father is not the person I am. I am here to support netball, nothing to do with my, the history or my mm. name or whatever my father's done in the past, which is, you know, obviously going to have an effect on a lot of Aboriginal people and the way they felt towards him, which is fine. But it's that's that's an issue that's somewhere needs to be resolved elsewhere. This mm. is about netball and the sponsorship. Yeah. And it's a business. Yeah. So it's about driving netball in their future. And that's what she wanted to do. So those two matters could have been resolved completely differently. And she should have sat down and spoke to the media, given a statement and said, you know, okay, we, we, that's an issue. We'll deal with that somewhere else. But right now I just want to focus on supporting netball and, and helping Donnell Wallam to feel a lot more comfortable as a player to, to perform to the best way she can. Yeah. It, it would feel like on the one hand, Netball Australia is saying, we're here to listen. We're going to grow. We're going to, mm. and yet this has all fallen in a heap. Yep. And, and, and at the moment people want to blame Donnell but why is there no blame going to Netball Australia? That's where the Netball Players Association are pointing the finger yep. right at Netball Australia to say that this should never have been ballsed up in the way that it was. Mm. And then questioning Hancock is such a big organisation doing such great work. Surely they're not spooked by a player saying, I, I have concerns. Mm. Not that I won't, I don't want the sponsorship. Can you just let me debut? There's a lot of attention on this. I'll just debut and then can we talk more about it down the track? And, and, and Hancock saying, hang on, we never said you had to wear our logo. But Netball Australia was saying to the players, no, you have to wear their logo. I just don't understand how a $15 million sponsorship falls over mm. and it's convenient to blame the players. But yet none of the players said they didn't want the sponsorship. They just had a couple of concerns. Yeah. Well, it's a lack of education, is it, throughout the whole department? And as I said, every, everything's pointing... It was everywhere else, mm. but the, the netball department and they really need to try and take some sort of credit for, for what's happened because they're, they're the ones at risk as well of now losing this massive sponsorship because of the lack of awareness in terms of supporting a young Aboriginal person in terms of the way she's, you know, spoken her truth and, and came out and, and spoke about how uncomfortable she is. But yeah, they need to be held accountable as well for their actions. The fact that they didn't 
live up to their uh, remarks of saying, you know, they'll listen and learn and, and be there to support players because they've given them the freedom of speech, which every code now is doing, and they need to support that person. And they really could have handled it a lot better. Yeah, I always find it interesting that some of the people in the press who are really going hard at the players at the moment are very big on, well, freedom of speech this and freedom of speech that until someone exercises that and says something they don't agree with. It's as predictable that they would come hard for the athletes here and Donnell as it is that they will champion the player or a player who does speak up about something that they agree with. Then it'll be no players, freedom of speech. It's just, <laughs> it's so predictable. Yep. Um, appreciate you giving your views on it. And it's, 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 it's quite complex stuff for, for, for yep. people. And I think what you've spoken about there is you, you absolutely understand Hancock's side. You understand Donnell's side. If only there had been a bit more of what they did last Tuesday, because I've got someone saying, oh, they had no idea. You know, it's not Hancock's fault. They they didn't know about this. Well, yeah, but they were all in a room together. They did a, a Zoom call where there was people from Hancock. Um, um, there was an Indigenous liaison. There were people from Netball Australia. Yep. So we were at that moment, we were doing, they were doing what you thought, great. That's fantastic. Mm. And then somehow from Tuesday to Saturday, even after Donnell said, okay, I'll wear the, wear the dress. I'll appease Netball Australia. I'll do, we'll do it. And we, it still fell over. Yep. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Should we lighten the mood a little? Yeah, no, actually, think, sorry, that, that, that sounded very dismissive. Yeah. That sounded, oh, I had, <laughs> you know, that they're they're important conversations to have. Yeah. Um, we do a thing called Footy Tinder on a Tuesday. Would you want to stick oh, around this, and play some Footy Tinder? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely yeah. Keen, right. to, keen to be a part of it. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Josh Carter with us um, on the Sporting Capital. Back after this with some Footy Tinder. On the Sporting Capital, it's time to start swiping with Footy Tinder. Uh, Josh Carter with us, former Western Bulldog, former West Coast Eagle. Um, Josh, I'm glad you stuck around. On a Tuesday, we like to play a little game called Footy Tinder, where we play some of the biggest statements made by some of the biggest names in the game. And just like dating app Tinder, um, we swipe left if we're not keen. And we swipe right if we are keen on what we're hearing. This is not about what you're seeing in the profile. Uh, we yep. swipe left if you're not keen on a date and right. If you, have you used Tinder before? Oh, not for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Um, happily married That's these right. days. Happily married. Um, and then you get one super like. And you can only have one because on Tinder, if you use any more than one super like, they make you start to pay for it. And as I always say, once you start having to pay for Tinder, you know that something's <laughs> gone terribly wrong. Uh, producer Lincoln has come in, who does a great job of putting footy Tinder together. Hello, Link. Hi, Sam. Nice to be here again. It's wonderful to have you here. He's got his own little fan base too. I get two people um, sometimes, mainly just one person that yeah. texts in how great Lincoln is, and it's building. His fan base is building. <laughs> it's growing. Uh, all right, Link, where are we starting, please? Uh, we'll start with Gary Lyon. Uh, so hang on. This on that list is horrendous, right? Yeah. It's not great, the list. They're eleven. They're eight and three. They're eight and three. They're eight and three. Yeah. They won eleven games. Won eleven games. That's, That's horrend not horrendous. horrendous. list is, is two north. and twenty. What's the question? Ross Lyon. The statement. Yep. Ross Lyon can turn St Kilda's list into a grand final team. I'll let you go first. Gosh. <laughs> Put the pressure on, eh? The first one. You're swapping left to disagree uh, or right to agree. Give some context if you like. Oh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna probably disagree. Swapping left? Yeah, I'm going to swap left. Do I have to give a reason why? I'd okay. like it to. Um, look, it's it's a club, as I said, like they're, they're developing and uh, him stepping into 
a footy department having a, a completely different list to what he's used to. He's got to focus on the rebuild. You've got to come in and try and learn. Like it's it's not as if he's just coming into a side where he's got mature players. You've got young list. You've got players like you know Brad Hill. Obviously, Paddy Ryder's left the system now, and it's going to be about who's going to step up and, and play those big major roles. So him as a coach, we know what his capabilities are. He's got a lot of respect in the St Kilda Football Club. So now the challenge is, it it's a lot to put a put pressure on a head coach to say we're going to win the grand final next year or even be in the grand final. It's a bit of pressure to put on. So you you think that that'd be the phase of hopefully they make the finals. That'd be a great start and then grow from there. Uh, I'm going to score premiership list. If if there's any coach that can, I think it's him. I think, you know, he's listed St Kilda. You, we we often pass off as you know it wasn't that great on paper, but when you look a bit deeper, mm. but maybe that was the Ross Lyon influence. The 2013 Frio side on paper, that with all due respect, mm. like that's you, you don't look at that side on paper and think that it had any chance of beating that Hawthorne team on paper. And I think how many All Australians did Ross have at Fremantle when he first arrived? So when he arrived um, at the end of 2011, Fremantle only had two All Australians, which was Pavlich and Sanderlands, and that's the same amount that St Kilda have going into next year after the retirements of a couple um, with Jack Sinclair and Jack Steele. Um, I, I think I don't think Premiership, but I do think top four. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ross Lyon gets him back up into the top four. Yeah, I'll swap left just because of the clarification, just because of the um, the caveat, grand final list, premiership list. No. Uh, we'll go to Ross Lyon for the second one. I don't feel it defines me, but it defines my coaching, I suppose, doesn't it? So- Ross Lyon's second crack at St Kilda will be a failure if he doesn't win a flag. Oh. Wow. Josh. <laughs> oh, no time to think, is there? No. Um, this is it. Well, this is what, when wow. you're looking at the Tinder app, you've got no, you've just got a very short amount of time to make a decision. And then you try and cancel out of the app if you're really unsure <laughs> so that you think there's a whole new bunch of matches. Well, this thing is socialising, mate. You just turn the phone off and you walk away. There you go. There you go. Walk but, outside, uh, have a chat ugh. with someone. Yeah, there you go. Um, oh, look, it's, you wouldn't say it's a failure. I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on a head coach. We've seen. Play, uh, coaches come and go in out of footy te- footy teams, and uh, he's got a lot of respect to the footy club at, at St Kilda. So I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't think him calling it a failure if he doesn't make finals. No, I'll swipe left on that as well. Yeah. I, I think that I, I wonder. It, I don't know if it's something that happens just in AFL, Josh. But we put we. It, I mean, premiership is the only form of success yep. for for a, a large portion of the footy public, and I don't necessarily sign up to that. I think like Geelong. They've won two premierships in uh, 11 years, yep. and but have been in finals every year but one. I see that period as incredibly successful. If you are always in the mix, if you are always mm. contending, yep. even if you don't, aren't able to get the ultimate success, I still think that's successful. Relevance was a term that's been thrown there you around go. Week. Relevant. Yep. If you are constantly playing finals every year, then you're relevant and, and you are a successful side. Your membership will show that. Your sponsorship will show that. Mm. Your attendances will show that. Well, it'll all grow into the, uh, the playing list, won't it? That The more yep. exposure they get to playing finals football, the more mature the bodies grow, the more mature the mindset is. So they, they're expected to know what how to perform on the big stage. And does that mean more players will want to go play there? Yes, so I then, then so. we're talking yep. destination. Well, you talk about Geelong. Everybody was labelling them as uh, old fossils, you know. They're not going to be able to, yep. to withstand the, the speed of the game. And uh, look at them. They just dominated in the grand final. All right. Uh, where are we going next? We'll change tune slightly here. We'll go to David King. 
I fear that Sam Mitchell, another rebuild coach, has committed professional suicide in terms of what they've done with the experience purge of players from their list over the last couple of weeks. Sam Mitchell's Hawks don't have enough top-end talent on their list to justify their rebuild. Explain that. So I'm saying they've thrown they've thrown all these senior players out and they're completely backing in their young players to go for a rebuild. I'm the statement is they don't their top end talent isn't actually good enough to justify getting rid of all their senior players. Well, can I go first? Because I'm first a horse one, I'm swiping like I am. That's when I I and I love Kingy to bits, but I'm deleting Tinder. <laughs> Because I dis I well, <laughs> well, the beautiful Evie would be to differ at home. Um, I couldn't. I think it's very smart what they're doing. See, Hawthorne will not risk alienating the fan base anymore. They won't sack Sam Mitchell ahead of the end of his contract. No way. No. So he now has a liberty to go. All right, we're going to have some down years, mm. and I am going to play kids. I'm going to go to the draft because you know what? If there is a Tassie team coming, and there will be a Tassie team coming in, say, 2027, 2028, that is compromised drafts for the next however many years. We want to get as much as we can out of the draft. There's also a new salary cap coming in a couple of years. So we will part ways with the free agents that we have got in, and then we will go out there with the new salary cap and get in other ones. So there will be two down years, two years to go, where Hawthorne will hit the draft hard. They will get the best talent they can. And then they will go out and get the free agents when the new salary cap comes in. I think it's very smart what they're doing. And he has a license to do it because unlike clubs who, when they say they're rebuilding, get jittery the second year in because media start to speculate and then they start to get concerned and then benefactors of the club or big donors of the club start to thump the desk and say, this isn't good enough. And they all um, basically go to water. That won't happen at Hawthorne. They won't do it to Sam Mitchell. Swapping left. Hilly? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Hilly's fine. Um, look, uh, it's it's a tough one, but you'd, you'd think, as we, as we talk about, like the, the, the positive, obviously, is Sam Mitchell's come out and said, look, we're not going to be a strong side. We're, we're, mm. we're a team that's on the rebuild, and that's the kind of mindset you want to put your players at ease as well. You don't want to put pressure on them, expecting them to succeed. Like, you go out there and you play the best ability you can. That's what the first thing is. You, you, you ease your player's mindset at first. Because they could go out there and dominate. You never know. Yeah. Players might go out there and just absolutely surprise, just you. surprise you. And that's what yeah. I think maybe his mindset's at. Oh, so is that the is. other thing that I have to do? If yeah. you're going to not win a lot, but you've got to be entertaining to watch, is that the yes. other thing they've got to be? That's, that's what's engaging supporters. Yeah. You've got to have the fans believe as well that we've got young talent that's going to be able to, to drive this club in the next 10 years to then have that strong, mm. strong list to then believe that they're going to come out and play a premiership side. And is the other thing you've got to do is what you said, you've got to tell your fan base in no uncertain terms that this is what's happening. You can't pee one double five in their pocket and tell them yeah. it's raining. Well, you've got to be honest. You put pressure on yourself. You put pressure on your football club. Yeah. And that's what the pressure, obviously, we talk about Ross Lyon. He's coming into a football club and everybody's already saying he's got to win a premiership to have any sort of success. And on the other hand, we see Sam Mitchell that's on the lower side of it, thinking that if I just go through at ease, the pressure's off. He's going to be the underdog. Yeah. Know? And that's what Hawthorne are, are known to be at times. There's an old, this young list of players <laughs> yeah. that could dominate in, in a way. <laughs> There's an old real estate uh, expression, <laughs> under promise, over deliver. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so he's setting the price X. Yep. You never know. They could get well he's, above he's reserve in the auction. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, what have we got? About two uh, minutes left. What, where are we up to next? I'm going to swipe left as well. There you go. Um, we'll go to Cane Corns now. It's a free man all. 
who kicks the goals? Who kicks the goals at the Dockers? Lob is yeah. out. He's been their most damaging key forward. Tabiner is 30 and, and injured. Mm. Fife, who knows? But he's capable of kicking perhaps 30 or 40. And Luke Jackson's not a forward. Let's hope there's no super likes on this one for, for my Your personal, Dockers? Yeah. Of, these, of this year's top eight, Fremantle are the side most likely to miss the finals next year. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't super like you. <laughs> Josh? Oh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the fact that they're, they're another team that's an underdog and they have players with belief and they're a young side that's driving and, and that might be the factor of knowing that they've lost all these key players to having a team, like I've played in a side with Bulldogs where there were so many players, you, you didn't know who was going to be the key forward. Mm. We were, I was the tallest in our forward line. There was myself, Brad Johnson, Akamanis, who were under six foot. I was normally the tallest yeah, forward. So 185. 185, yeah. yeah. And, and you've got these guys that you go into a forward line now. You don't have to look for the players like Roy Lobb and, uh, and Tabernacle. You can look for the small fours like, you know, Sonny Walters can, can kick a bag if, he, if he's on, a, on his day. So it might actually be another thing where it's exciting, but would I say they make top four? Maybe not. But finals, I definitely think they're a chance. So I'm going to swap right only because, and I haven't put a ton of thought into it, but on average, there's at least two teams that come out of the eight every year. And there is also a team that will come out of the four and miss the eight completely. That's been averaged out over, I think it's about 15, maybe 20 years now. Max Lawton from Fox Sports does it every year. There's two that come out of the eight and one that comes out of the four and completely misses the eight. So, yeah, I, I'm going to swap right. I think with the players that they've lost, um, I think that could be Fremantle. But I do love Justin Longmuir as a coach. I really do. I think the biggest challenge for them is the offensive side. And Kane's right. Who Who is going to kick their goals? They've got some likely types. Amos, Tracy... There's a few others, but hey, um, I know you had one more, but we're out of time. Sorry, Link. Oh, good. Great job. <laughs> Love your work. Good pressure. Uh, Josh Carter, by the way, are going to catch up with you regularly. And um, when the show is actually on air, given all the sport that's around, mate, it's great to have you come in and, and chat about all the things that we did. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, Josh Carter, when we come back off the tee, our dedicated golf show, part of the Sporting Capital on SEN, um, the former world number 16, Nick Ahern. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.